Genesis 3.15 lays the groundwork or strategies for the battles between Jesus and Satan, between good and evil, redemption and sin. Jesus stated clearly, He will put enmity between thy seed and her seed, or the seed of the woman. History and now revelations in human biology and genetics reveal the uncanny mystery and details of the significance of the woman's seed, dating all the way back from Eve through Mary to modern-day women. From the garden to now, Satan has obsessed with altering the genetics of humans to advance the kingdoms of darkness. Join us now as we unpack the details of Jesus' warning as in the days of Noah by exploring the war for the seed of the woman. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're watching and listening to The Russick Outlook. Let me begin, as always, by thanking you for your time. I know and believe that this will be time well spent. There's going to be some amazing revelations that we're going to break down here. The topic is war for the seed of the woman. This is the means all and the end all. This is what it's all about from Genesis to Revelation, beginning to the end. We're going to break these things down and show you some information um, and, and point to the fact that how fortunate you are and I am to be born for such a time as this. And by that, I mean there is such amazing information that's been revealed through areas of science and human anatomy and biology that we're going to show some things that points to the, the incredible detail of the, of the Bible and see things that people 50 or 100 years ago would not have been able to break down and would not have been able to get that revelation. So, you know, I, I ask you to just kind of hold on to your seat. You're going to put on a little bit of a science cap for a couple of slides. We're going to break this down, but we're going to tie this into the details of the Bible. I often say Jesus is in the details, and I leave, believe me, there's no doubt about it. Here's some, some information that I found astounding. Uh, so I, I hope and I trust that you will as well. Uh, let me just pause very briefly before I begin. If you see that, uh, the, the like and the subscribe button, and if you could ring that bell on whatever the platform it is, I, I would very much appreciate it. Uh, again, it really just helps us get information out. Our mission is to get to the core of truth, to get to the accuracy of truth, no matter where it brings. And, you know, for me, it's always centered on the Word of God, and I've proven, and I, well, the Lord has proven, it's not me, but I've shown you all of the uh, facts that pertain to the pinpoint accuracy of the Bible and the credibility and, and the confidence that we have in it. So then I just look at other areas that would substantiate and bring some of this information to light. So I, I if, again, if you like information like this, it really helps us if you hit the like, the subscribe button, ring the bell. Um, and also, if you wouldn't mind going to the RussickOutlook.com, join our email list. We notify you of new events, new things that are coming up, and some you know exciting new things that we're going to be getting into with live streaming and, and uh, Zoom presentations that we've been doing, and, and so forth and so on. But let me let me get to this. Um, I'm, I'm excited. So again, war for the seed of the woman. I will say this is going to be an ongoing series for me that I started with the last presentation, which is based upon uh, the, the scripture in Matthew 24, 37. This is also outlined in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke, uh, where Jesus says, For as were the days of Noah, so will, will be the coming of the Son of Man. And 
by that I mean, and just real quickly, I, I started this last week. So we, we, what we want to do is look at what were the days of Noah? What, what led up to the, the flood? What were the uh, conditions on the ground, conditions in the earth, conditions in the spiritual realm that we can point to that the Lord would have been so angry as to want to destroy the entire world save for Noah and his family? Um, and, and that really brings us to, to where we are today. But again, it's a very specific detail that Jesus laid out to his disciples when they asked him, what will be the sign of your coming or signs? And this was one of them. There were others um, that, that we've covered and many cover, you know, but this is something that I, there, there's so much information and, and so, much, so many layers, if you will, that, that I really want to go down. But I, I found that as I laid this out last week as an opening, that the seed of the woman is the foundation for what we're going to get into. Uh, so I, I hope and I trust that uh, you will be blessed by this. I was blessed by doing the research. Um, and again, I just, you know, the, the accuracy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me go back to the beginning. Good place to start. Uh, so let me show you this slide here. Um, Adam or man has the authority. This goes back to Genesis where the Lord creates man. And God said, let us make man in our image. I pointed this out before. This is pointing to the Trinity. After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle and all the earth and over every creeping thing. God created man in his image. The image of God created him, male and female. And God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. And what's so important there is the word replenish means that there was something there beforehand. If, if you know, somebody might tell you to replenish that bucket of water or something. So that means that water was in there. So something in, in the earth was there and we've covered this. And this is really before man was created and you had the fall of Satan. And I, and I you know, went through that last presentation. But I also want to point out here in Hebrews 2.7, if you're following me on video, it's in the lower portion of the, of the slide there. You have made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor, and you set him over the works of your hands. So we are in a very unique position, or Adam, and we are. But Adam, when, when man was created, he was a little lower than the angels. He was crowned with God's glory. Um, and and he, was, he was made and created the way that, uh, or created by God, where uh, Lucifer and the, all the other angels and Michael and Gabriel and so forth and uh, all that created by the Lord, we are descendants of Adam. And, you know, n nothing new there, no, no big revelation there. But I just kind of wanted to distinguish between the two that Adam is unique in that sense and Jesus is often referred to as the second Adam. So I wanted to go down here, and I'm going to go now to Genesis 3. Let me get back to the slide for a second, which is the temptation and the fall of man. And I recognize that uh, everybody is familiar with uh, um, the temptation and, and, and how sin entered the world. Um, but I want to just point out a couple of things here. And it may, may, hopefully will make you think a little bit, uh, maybe give you a little bit of a different uh, twist on things. And the woman, so woman uh, uh, three, two, and the woman said to the serpent, we, and this is where she's approached by, by Satan, 
We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will, sure, you will not surely die. So right away, Lucifer or Satan is contradicting the Lord, what the Lord told Eve. It's a lie. He is the father of lies. So right from the very beginning, he's showing his face. For God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice the, the, the phrase there, you will be like God. So I want to point now to Isaiah 14, 12 through five, uh, 15, I'm sorry, where this is the description of, of Lucifer and his fall. And it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high or I will be like God. So this is what Satan is telling to Eve. You will be like God. And, and this is what Satan wanted. So that's, you know, the, the fall of his pride. The, the other thing I wanted to do is, is look at what was in that fruit. We don't know what that fruit is. And of course, everybody knows the story of, you know, the snake and the apple and, you know, um, but what, what was in that fruit? And, and I've heard some things speculate that potentially it could be grapes because of, you know, grapes being fermented and, and wine. Um, but we don't know, you know, and, that, and that's simply the fact. And I, I personally find it hard to believe that it was an apple. But I, I wonder if it had some type of mind-altering effect, uh, and, and, and which is why the Lord would have said that, you know, not, not to eat of that. So um, from this point on, we, we now enter the realm of genetic mutations. Sin has entered Satan, uh, sin has entered um, Adam and Eve, and we talked about how they were created by the Lord. So di they're different than the descendants thereof. So that mutation, that sin uh, brought into the world is now in effect. And I, I just wonder, you know, what, what was in that fruit, what was in there? So now I'm going to fast forward to Genesis 3.15, where, you know, I've said this before, this is the first prophecy of the Bible after, after uh, man has sinned, and this is what the Lord says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. Actually, let me just show it to you. Yeah, I'm going to break some stuff down here for you. So if you're following me on video, I'm showing you uh, on the upper left, but thy seed, meaning his seed, and her seed. He doesn't say my seed or God's seed or Jesus' seed. He says her seed, the seed of the woman. So I want to get into just uh, very briefly a little bit of a biology lesson. And the reason I want to go here is because I'm going to show you something that we have been able to verify in science that goes to show the uniqueness and the... Um, the fact that there's a certain aspect of the seed of the woman that goes untainted, and, and, and by that I'll mean this. Um, 
genome is the, com uh, you, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard this, uh, is the complete set of genes or genetic material present in, in a cell or an organism. So we see that a lot today. But I want to tie this to what the biology of, of what the Lord is showing here when he says between her seed, that's her genome, that's her biology, if you will. From that time to this, her female offspring has carried the seed that was originally created by God, and that seed has not been tainted. And, and this is really what I want to get to. When we are saved, we are subtly born again. Hence, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless you were born again, Jesus telling Nicodemus. But notice that it's, again, I want to emphasize the fact, her seed, not Adam's seed, not man's seed, not Lord's seed, her seed. When, why is that important? Well, there's something called mitochondrial DNA. And, and for you women out there, uh, and for you men as well, you may be familiar with it, but I'm going to kind of break some things down into layman's terms, but this goes back to her uh, genome. So the mitochondria DNA, and let me show you something here on video, uh, and I'll describe this for my podcast listeners. Uh, there is the nuclear DNA and there is the mitochondrial DNA. And I'm showing you that this is a part that goes in, that is part of the cell. All mitochondrial DNA comes from your mother. So my mother gave, gave that to me and her mother and her mother and so forth and so on. And, and that's how it's gone through all of history. And if you want to get real about this, that means it ties back to Eve. It ties back to the mitochondrial DNA of Eve. Um, I, we, don't, we don't know who uh, Noah, we don't know the name specifically of Noah's wife. I, I believe some uh, Jewish historical records, Nema, I think is what they're coming up with, but it doesn't say in the Bible. We don't know her. But what I'm getting at is that, that mitochondrial DNA that, remember, um, Noah and his family were perfect in their generation, so that means they were untainted by the Nephilim, by the genetic inf uh, infestation that, that happened in Genesis 6. So, it's, it's been passed down, and if you believe, as I do, and, and if you go to the genealogy of Adam, and I believe it's Genesis 5. Yes, I believe so. I won't swear to it. I think so. But anyway, if you do the math, and you go from um, Adam on to Jesus, the, the population works out exactly what it was at that time, and then, you know, and then we've been able to do the numbers today. So there, there's some um, additional accuracy to that in terms of, of, of the Bible itself coming from an outside source. So let me go back to this for a second. So you come from a sperm and an egg. I know this is kind of basic biology. The sperm comes from the father, and the egg comes from the mother. The egg is a complete cell with oral organelles, including the mitochondria. So that's in the mother. The sperm is a DNA delivery pod, bringing the father's DNA to the mother's egg. So if you think about the, the genetics of the Nephilim, that that was their DNA into the mother's egg. So that's how you get those mutations and those giants. But this is very, very specific, and, and notice, too, that it's 
circular. The mitochondrial DNA is circular. Um, I happen to believe that's also an indicative of a sign of the covenant where there is no beginning and there is no end. And um, this is just my, my personal opinion. I don't have anything based, to base that on um, in, in terms of the Bible and the Word of God. But that's what this lays out. So I want to now get into the specifics. Last, last slide on, on the magnificence of your DNA. But I do want you to remember this as we get near the end. Because it's, well, it, it's, it's going to be so important, um, and, and you'll see, because I believe personally that the code that is written into you, into your life, and how, what makes you unique, and everybody is different, but it's, it, it, it's, it's so specific, and, and it's like the greatest software program ever in the world. It, you know, you, all the functions of, the, uh, of your DNA and your organs and your cells they all have commands and sequences, just like a, a software code is. But it's so much more sophisticated than anything that we could even dream of today. Um, so let me let me get to this because I, I, I think there's going to be a point um, in the resurrection where this is going to become important. So for a biological system to operate, it needs genetic information to build the proteins in protein machine which in turn causes the cells to maintain their function. For every cell in the body, the information is contingent on the selection and the arrangements or patterns of four DNA uh, chemicals, and they're called bases. And this is abbreviated as A, C, T, and G. I've heard some people say it stands for an act of God. I won't argue with that one. But there are 20 different types of pro uh, uh, amino acids and 30,000 different types of proteins. So where did that all come from? If you know, it, it absolutely defies anything that could be taught in the classrooms of Darwin or evolution and natural selection. We now know that a full complement of human DNA has more than 3 billion sequences. Uh, this entire sequence is called the genome. Now get ready for some staggering numbers. Our entire DNA sequence or human genome would fill 200 1,000-page New York City telephone directories. And I recognize there may be some people out there that don't know what a telephone directory is. Um, I, I saw a picture recently uh, on social media, and it was kids looking at a, a, a payphone, and, and it was the caption was something along the lines, of, you know, where kids taking pictures or observing, uh, you know, things, things from ancient days. So there used to be this big book, uh, that, that would have all the different telephone numbers. This is before um, uh, computers that, were, that we would use computers and cell phones and storage devices. And um, so New York City would probably be about that thick. So, you know, the comparison here is 200 1,000-page books just for one sequence. Uh, the complete 3 billion-based uh, human genome takes 3 gigabytes of storage. If you unwrap all of the DNA in your cells, you could fill books from bottom to top in the Grand Canyon 78 different times. That's how specific you are made. That's how unique you are. All of your sequences and all of the functions, they're all different for everybody. That's the detail of the Lord Jesus. So you could line up your DNA from end to end and it could reach the sun backwards and forwards 600 times. That's, that's how much DNA information that you have that's in you. And again, part of that 
is the mitochondrial DNA, which comes from your mother, her seed, the importance of that. So now let me keep rolling here. Uh, my fat thumbs. So uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 49. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. So, so, you know, the seed, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So that's the importance of our resurrection, that we are raised in, in the newness, and ultimately, we will be raised with our resurrected bodies the way that the Lord created us before sin. <clears throat> it goes on to say, however, the spiritual is not born first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven, and, and as was the man of dust, so also are we who are made of dust, and as the heavenly man, so also those who are heavenly. So we are made of dust, we are created, we are of this earth, but we are heaven bound. You know, the, the, the scripture says we are in this world, but not of this world. Um, and as we are born in the image of man of dust, we shall bear the image of the heavenly man, the Lord Jesus Christ. So through redemption, we experience the new birth in Christ, which corrected the flaw introduced in the human seed when the first couple ate the fruit. So this goes back to, um, I will put enmity between thy seed and her seed, and that's Jesus coming. So Jesus in the resurrection, and you know the, the importance, if you think about it, <clears throat> I'm sorry, when I, you go back to the mitochondrial DNA that went, um, and as I said, you know, it goes from Eve to Noah's wife to Mary. And then um, she is impregnated by Holy Spirit. So that untainted union was kept intact because God, it, 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 it had to be that way or it had to be perfected in order for the Lord to come into this world. I'll put it that way. Um so resurrection, where we are born again, we, you know, or the symbol or the sign where we are baptized and we come out of the water, we are raised into the newness of Christ, um, that is the resurrection of your genome. And, and I believe that we will see that in the day that we are resurrected or returned to the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you die first and go to heaven or whether you are caught up in the rapture. Um, your, your, your new body, your new creation, the, the way that uh, the Lord made you is what you will be, you will be perfected in that. So let me, let me just show you something here. Um, so we are altered from a heavenly people to an earthly people. The intent and the way God made us, and I go back to the very beginning, that first slide where, where the Lord made Adam and he told him to replenish the earth and to subdue and, and, and to have dominion. But our genome was changed. We are earthly people. We are on our way back to becoming heavenly people through the actions of Jesus, reversing what was done in sin. The side effects of the corruption of the human seed, eternal lives, 
became limited lives. Remember after the fall, 120 years. And if you go back then to the, the time in the garden or the time of the antediluvian period, which is the time of Noah, which is really kind of the, the base of what, you know, a lot of what I'm trying to get at here with this overall topic, they could see like fallen angels. So when, when, when Lucifer said, you will be like God and you will be like God's, you know, Lucifer and the fallen angels, they knew that. They were in the presence of the Lord. They were here when the earth was uh, first created. They rejoiced as the morning stars. So now you, they see the, the, what sin brought into the world. They see the way that the fallen angels would, would have seen and what, they would have, what would have been surrounding that, those areas at that time. They were subject to the constant provocation of these beings. Remember that the fallen angels came to the earth and they, 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 they um, um, brought into this world the Nephilim through, through the, the, the seed of the woman, which is, you know, again, this whole battle. And also what's interesting here is nakedness. Remember when the Lord came down and he said, where are you? And, and we said we covered ourselves. He said, you know, they covered themselves because they recognized they were naked. And, you know, the Lord said, how do you even know you're naked? But now, and, and, and I guess what I'm getting at is nakedness is an idiom for exposed. So when somebody says I'm naked, you know, you're really saying I'm exposed. I'm, 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 your, 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 your sin is exposed. I'll put it that way. But what does the Bible now say? If you've accepted the Lord, you are clothed in righteousness. So he puts those clothes on you. He covers your exposure. He covers your nakedness with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to go to a couple of scriptures here that I want to show you about the seed and Adam's seed. Uh, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and then also to the Gentile. So Romans 11.1, 1, getting to the importance of the seed and that we are grafted in from the seed of Abraham. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not, for I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham. This is Romans 1. So this is all from, from Paul. Uh, we believe Hebrews was, but we don't know when, when I get to that. Second um, Corinthians, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Notice it's all about the seed. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. Amen. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels. So the angels do not have this. The angels cannot reproduce. That is the uniqueness of who you are. That's that. That's that makes you stand out from the angels. Even though you're a little lower than the angels, the Lord has glorified and blessed you through, through Jesus if you accept him. Um, but, but you've got a unique characteristic, which is another reason that the, uh, the fallen ones went after the women in the, with the intent of procreation. And it goes on to say Hebrews 2.16, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Again, all about the seed. So I found something interesting going back to um, the human genome. Um, there, so the human genome, that, that project came about in the early 90s, I'm going to say 90, 91. Um, and it went from 1990 to 2003. Tremendous information came out from it. Um, 
But interestingly enough, the they stored all of the data from this, right? And they wanted to store the data of your genome and with the idea that they could um, take this and utilize it and, and obviously learn from it, and then uh, hence the ability to get into gene splicing and gene manipulation, which we see a lot of uh, specifically over these last five to 10 years. Um, but they call this information the book of life. And I, I, I had to look at, at something here. So let me go back to the slide because um, I believe this is, this is blasphemy. Um, your entire genome is recorded in the Lamb's book of life if you are uh, accepted Jesus, uh, which allows eventually for the glorified body. Revelation 3, 5. He who comes overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out, blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Revelation 22, 19. And if anyone takes away the, from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. So th there you have the, the two references. Will your name be found in the book of life? And, you know, that's ultimately going to be a question that's going to be asked of you. Um, you're going to, whether you believe in Jesus today or you've confessed him as your savior or not, um, I have news for you. You are going to meet him one way or another. You know, the word of God says that every knee will bow and confess that Jesus is the Christ or Jesus is Lord. So I, I implore you, if you do not know him, come and recognize. And if some of the things that I'm saying as I'm speaking the word of God, it's, it's, it's alive. It's, it's, it's powerful. It would touch your heart. Um, and if you believe it, and I'm just going to take a side note. So if anybody is watching this and you do not believe, I'd ask you to just pick up and read the Gospel of John. That's all I'm going to say. Read the Gospel of John. If you're so inclined to go beyond there, go to and read the book of Acts and, and let the word of God go, go forth. And, and you, you can then um, ask that question. So I now want to get into um, Satan's response and Satan's um, uh, addressing the seed. So, again, we talked a lot about this the last presentation, the, ne the Nephilim. This is gi uh, the giants of Genesis 6. We have all this information around the world that substantiates this. I'll show you a little bit of it today. Um, I went through some of it last time. I've done a number of presentations on it as well as a number of people. So, actually, on that note, I just want to give credit to some people. Um, somebody, uh, a, a listener, had pointed out some, uh, some information that I had gleaned from a gentleman named Rob Skiba. And I want to be sure that, um, you know, for, for me anyway, for me personally, I consider my part of my gifting is to, to teach. And I have learned from gifted teachers. And when it comes into this area of the Nephilim, um, of, of Genesis 6 and the historical background, there's a number of, of wonderful um, uh, teachers and and. and people who have written books and um, presented information that's of incredible value. So uh, Rob Skiba is certainly one for me. Uh, Timothy Alberino uh, is, is incredible. So I'm, I'm saying these names. So if you want to look up additional information, if this is of interest to you, um, he's somebody who has gone to a lot of the different locations, done a lot of different studying and research. 
uh, just solid, solid material. And then a gentleman named Gary Stedman, who uh, um, runs a ministry. He was a former pastor, runs a ministry called Prophecy Watchers. So those are a few people that in this specific area um, I have benefited from a lot. And there are others. And as we move along, I just want to be sure to give um, not only credit to these people, but also to point them to you if you want to look for additional information. So let me go to what did the angels uh, and the Nephilim want? And let's go back to this slide. Uh, they wanted the power and the glory of the resurrected terrestrial bodies. They required earthly bodies to rule over their kingdoms to subjugate or rule over humans. And I'm going to point to 1 Corinthians 15, 39 uh, through 41. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of birds, and another of fish. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another of the moon, another of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So God created us all differently in different types of flesh, and that's important when you get to, down to and you look at the breakdown in Genesis 6 of the flood because all flesh was destroyed. But interestingly, and it makes sense, you don't, it, there is no mention of, of the flesh of birds, but there is mention of, of the flesh of birds and of animals and of men. Um, and that's, that's another story. Um, Crossbred, they, so anyway, what they did was they crossbred with human women. Again, no surprise to if you've been following this. Hoping to create a race that could achieve eternal life in a physical body. So this is fallen angels with coming with sin. They, they, they have been cast out of heaven. Remember, um, Lucifer was cast out of heaven with a third of his angels. And they are trying to create a new race. They are trying to create a super race. And I believe that's what they tried to do with the Nephilim, both pre-flood and post-flood. Um, so I'm going to cover a little bit of that. But the importance of this is it is antithetical to the Lord's creation. It is not what God created. God created man. God created woman. God created the angels. He did not create them to procreate with one another. He did not say, oh, what a good idea it would be to take the DNA of this one and match it with the DNA of that one, and let's see what comes about it. So the result of that is something that is a, a freak, a hybrid that was not created by the Lord, therefore cannot be redeemed, cannot be offered salvation. And, you know, that's another subject that, I, that, that we'll go down to down the road. I've covered it a little bit in the past, and Enoch discovers, discusses this. Um, I, I, I won't go there. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, that's another aspect of it. But I wanted to talk about the kingdoms because I believe that what they were trying to, they being the fallen angels, were trying to establish kingdoms. And I've gone around, I've covered a lot of these megalithic structures and entities and uh, villages and cities all around the world. And what I found interesting is what was one of the things that Satan tempted Jesus with? He said, I, sh will show, I show you all of these kingdoms. And if you bow down to me and worship me, they will be yours. But the emphasis was on kingdoms. And 
And I believe there's something supernatural there that that I I don't know that we can readily understand or comprehend. But part of what I look at is the kingdoms that I believe he was creating um, pre-flood and creating these hybrid races and, and infiltrating the earth. Remember, Noah was the one who was found perfect in his generation, which means everybody and everything else was tainted. The Lord had to put all the animals in the ark as well as the people because everything uh, was contaminated with sin. Everything had become these freakish mutations. And I wanted to just point real quickly here on some things that I find interesting um, about some of the kingdoms. And some of these pictures, if you're following me on video, you, you might recognize but the, uh, according to Enoch, they came, they being the fallen angels, came down on Mount Hermon and they built kingdoms for themselves. And again, I point to the fact that I believe some of that would is potentially what Satan would have shown Jesus through spiritual eyes. Um, but I want to just point some of these things out that are, that are interesting. Um, because we know about all of these different kingdoms. We know that the Greeks wrote about Atlantis, that it was founded by Atlas, but we also know that historical records show that it was destroyed uh, in, in the Great Flood of Deucalion. Um, then there are these other empires, and I'm showing you some of this on video. Uh, Lemura, which was another great ancient kingdom in the Far East. Their historical records, again, outside of the Bible, says it was all destroyed by a flood. Um, a, a region called Mu, which is in the, in the Pacific, Uh, It is underwater to this day, and again, the historical records show that it was destroyed by a flood. There are the the Titans, the son of Gaia and Uranus, and the Olympians, the sons of Zeus and Hera. Um, All of these kingdoms, and and I believe, you know, a lot of it sounds like Greek mythology, and I've covered some of this in the past, and I believe there's some validity to that, that what, because if you look at the the, the account of the giants and the Nephilim, it resembles exactly what you see in Greek mythology. So somebody like Hercules would have been what would have been called a, a giant or a, um, uh, potentially, you know, one of the Nephilim. Um, but they were all came from Nimrod's system, which goes back to uh, the Tower of Babel, and they all worship Baal, Molech, uh, Osiris, Zeus, Hera, and, and, and others. So the sin produced the giants, which were the Nephilim of old. Um, their Herculean progeny produced these, these massive pyramids and temples that we see all around the world today. We see that, and, and I presented a little bit of this in the last presentation. These are architectural structures that defy anything that we can even do with the greatest machinery that we have today. We cannot even replicate it today. We're talking about buildings and structures that, 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 that are built in such a fashion that they can withstand earthquakes. Um, they're, they're, you know, uh, some, of them, uh, some of these blocks are up to 300 tons in weight, and they're carved, and they have very specific artistic uh, design to them, and, and it just goes on and on and on totally incapable of anything that that we could create today never mind going back to the bronze age which was you know what some people would try to pull it off as um they built massive cities and temples many of which are underwater today so i showed you that in in the video if you look up a lot of these megalithic structures such as atlantis and and others um you can find you can find them underwater gee i wonder why they're underwater um 
So everything about them was technologically superior, artistically superior, just something that we couldn't do today. So the question is, what happened to the giants? And I believe genetics plays a role in this. Um, We know that the giants were in decline. We know that we saw the, the great um, outpouring of the giants in, in, the, in the antediluvian period, and then we saw them again for probably another 500 to a thousand. Well, no, I'm sorry, over a thousand years into David's time. So you can, they were started to be laid out those what I would call the landmines for Abraham into the time of David and, and um, uh, Goliath and, and, and so forth. Um, but so what happened where they began to die off, um, and so the one conjecture or, or, or hypothesis is that you know because they are genetic mutations that they were not nutritionally sufficient. They did not have the proper capacity to live and and to you know move on the way we would or man would today. Um, so ultimately, their breeding plan failed. Um, but yet the Lord said so shall it be as in the days of Noah. So I, I found some things that were interesting that I never looked at it this way. And um, I go back to Daniel 2. So I'm going to show you this on the slide. With, and for those of you who are familiar, I'm not going to get, get into it. This was Daniel breaking down the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And he tells him about the giant statue, which is of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and then feet of clay. And they represent different empires and, you know, um, you can you can go back to the gold representing the Babylonian, the silver, the uh, Medo-Persians, the brass, the Greeks, the iron, the Romans, and then the final one would be the iron mixing with clay, which would be the final uh, Roman Empire that I call Roman 2.0. But number one, if you want to look at this, if you start with gold, that's powerful, that's strong, that's the best that we have. But with each level it degenerates. Silver is less strong, is not as strong as gold. Brass is not as strong as silver. Iron is not as strong as brass. Then getting to the feet of clay. So over time, rather than strengthening and becoming superior, it actually weakens when you look at the dream and, and the interpretation. So the other interesting aspect of this is, um, as you saw, I'm, I'm reading Daniel 2, 41 through 45, as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they, who is they, they would be uh, the fallen angels, will mingle with the seed of men, and they will not, not adhere one to another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of the kings of God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. So again, the Lord said he's going to consume these kingdoms. Could that mean those kingdoms that were laid out, that that Satan laid out and showed Jesus to bow down and to worship, because ultimately this is going to be destroyed. And also understand that if you believe in, in the rapture of the church coming before the tribulation, as I do, That means the the Holy Spirit will be removed. His assignment is not over. But we, the church, would be removed from this world and literally all hell breaks loose and 
And then if you look at Revelation, there are uh, other aspects that happen during that tribulation that allow demons and um, other things to come forth. And I believe it would be a hybrid mixture of some things that we see in science and technology today interacting with human DNA and, and so forth. So I just found that interesting because that's pointing to the last days. And it says they will mingle with the seeds of men. Um, so again, breeding did not produce the results that they hoped for. I wanted to point to uh, Daniel going now back to the end where he's talking about the, the tribulation in 1136 through 39. Um, let me show you this one on slide. Um, the king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god. That would be like the beast and will say unheard of things against the God of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed. So that's the end of the tribulation. For what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the gods of his ancestors or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god, but will exalt himself above all. Instead of them, he will honor a god of fortresses. And I suspect that this may be those mythological gods that are released um, that we may see again in the days uh, before the coming of the Son of Man. Um, a God unknown to his ancestors, he will honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. He will attack the mightiest fortresses with the help of a foreign God and will greatly honor those who acknowledge him. So again, this is pointing to the very end, to the last days, and that is just you know, something that I suspect when I see he will honor a God of fortresses, that could mean those fallen angels, those uh, ones who are still, um, still were not in captivity, not in Tartarus, where again, at some point, some of them are, are, are let out. Um, so again, this is really what I would say, uh, all hell breaks loose. And I'm just reminded of Ephesians 6.12 when it says, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and princes of the air. Um, so I believe, you know, some of the, what may come into play would be transhumanism. Um, and, and I'm going to be covering that as part of this overall series. And um, some of the things that we, you will combine, it will be a hybrid uh, um, combining the seed uh, of man or the seed of the woman, I should say, um, with potentially some of the, these other beings. I do want to point out something that I'm going to be covering very shortly, I believe, in two presentations from now. Um, I, I, I'm going to get into the whole UFO, UAP, whatever you want to call it, um, because, you know, there's so much information that has now been verified and even authenticated by the government. So, you know, for all the people who thought, you know, 15, 20 years ago, people with tin hats and, you know, whatnot, that's all out the window. You now have Oxford, Harvard, Ivy League tenured professors um, all acknowledging this. We have videotape of uh, military pilots engaging some of these different U UFOs. So why is this information coming to be? And, you know, as a Christian, I don't think we should ignore it. And I think a lot of people ignore it. Oh, well, you know, they don't want to go there. But I think this will play a role in, in the last days, and it does tie in, and I'll be covering this. But what I really want to get to with this is what's interesting, there are many accounts, and some of the accounts that you're going to see 
you know, have, I'm not saying you take everything in, oh, you know, this person said that, or we have a record of this or that. I would look at things that have been substantiated, and some of these professors who have no um, religious affiliation, they're not in it for uh, authenticating the Bible or convincing you or me or a- anybody else, but they're acknowledging that there has been alien abductions. There are many, many documented accounts of women who believe that they were um, abducted and impregnated and that they gave these beings up um, early on before they were sent back or released into the earth again. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, and, 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 you know, and I get all that. Um, but, but there's some information there that has some credibility to it. So I want to go down that road because if, if, in fact, this is the case and these are alien entities of what we're seeing, and I believe they are, uh, I, I find this interesting because it goes back to their whole um, game plan of they couldn't get it right the first time that you know maybe they're doing some things and taking women in and, and trying to get it right for the eventual fall because I've said and no surprise you know Satan knows the word of God better than anyone in terms of not he's just as much aware of the word of God and his his uh, uh, end of days I'll say in the game plan uh, as was what was prophesied from the very beginning in Genesis so I just wanted to point to a few things that science in the next generation and how some of this technology may come into about. And I, I want to integrate this with, you know, some of the things that I talked about with the UFOs. But there's some interesting things here. Um, power without wires. We now have that today. Uh, we have the rise of robots, self-driving cars, artificial limbs, man-made brains, quantum computing, computing, nanotechnology. They can can inject that into your bloodstream now as part of your medical treatments. The Human Genome Project, we touched on the biological machines. Tattooed technology is here. So again, the technology that enables you to potentially eventually take the mark of the beast um, before we are ta- before the church is taken out of here, that technology has arrived. Artificial intelligence, they're te- teleporting a, a human. Uh, nanotechnology and genetics, merging biology with machines. Uh, if you've been following any of the things that are going on, and I'll be touching a little bit upon this on the next presentation, which I'm going to get into Modern Headlines Bible Prophecy June t- for June 2022. So I do that on a monthly basis, but there's been some interesting things that came out of the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization that conferences that were held a couple of months ago, and they talk about, specifically the World Economic Forum, they talk about the merging of uh, genetics and biology with machinery and technology. So, you know, this is just, as I'm speaking to you now, this is just within the last few weeks that they were really, you know, driving this. Um, Reviving extinct species, stem cells, human cloning, uh, with and without animals. Again, you know, you go back to Genesis 6, and the days of Noah, they were um, uh, interacting and mating with animals, which is why all of the animals had to be removed. And then last, I just wanted to point out, they are actually, they've been working on something called the Jesus Clone Project. So, you know, that, that's how twisted some of this stuff is. But the good news is this. The good news is we are now at a place where we see the entire story. And this is why I go back to you are unique in who you are and where you are and the information that you have. 
where, you know, you can go back to, hey, you're alive to see the nation of Israel that's been born again a second time, just as the Bible prophesied a second time, and all of the other information. So we're at this unique place in history where we can point to the mitochondrial DNA. So let me just show you this, um, where that Jesus came through the mitochondrial DNA of a woman to save humanity, hence getting back to the importance of the seed of the woman, the very first prophecy. That is how Jesus entered this world. He took on the form of man and gave his life for us. So by faith, we join the process of being born again, resurrected with a new body to join in the new millennium and then for all of eternity. So again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be a time when Jesus returns. There's a, a time of a thousand years in the millennium, and then we enter into all of eternity, and that's what's at stake. That's what's offered to you freely and to all of us freely by nothing that we do on our own, simply by accepting and acknowledging the facts that we are sinners and that we need uh, the, the redemptive uh, promise that the Lord Jesus has done for us and to accept that. Uh, and, and that's really what it's all about. And, and it, all of this goes to the battle for the seed of the woman. So I want to thank you for your time. Uh, my name is Mark Russick. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, oh, before I forget, oh, that was terrible. How can I do that? I need to go here. Uh, <laughs> There's somebody that helps me uh, wrap these videos up, and I have to have this last piece in there, so I apologize. But if you do have questions or comments, please email russicoutlook at gmail.com. Uh, happy to answer or address anything that I can. If I don't have the answer, I'll, I'll do my best to look it up and provide it. And if you're looking for a good church and, you're, and you've just come to know the Lord, I'll do my best to find one in your area. Um, but shoot me an email. love to hear from you. Comment on the various... Um, locations and, and webs, uh, the websites and the platforms. And uh, on, on that note, again, I just want to thank you for your time. And remember, as always, just my opinion.